0: You are listening to Faith Church's sermon from this week. We are a church that is committed to loving Jesus for life and loving others to life. We hope that this message encourages you to follow Jesus with your whole heart. To week two of Judges. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Judges chapter 3 with me. Um, You can also find it in our pew Bibles as well. Um, so again, Judges chapter three, because we're not going to read the entire story. There will be some uh, parts where I will just kind of give you the the highlights of what is happening in Judges chapter three. Let's re- let's uh, let's begin by reading Judges chapter three verses twelve through thir- th- Twelve through fourteen. Here's what it says. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And because they did this evil, the Lord gave Eglon, king of Moab, power over Israel, getting the Amorites and Amalekites, excuse me, the Ammonites and Amalekites, to join him. Eglon came and attacked Israel, and they took possession of the city of palms. The Israelites were subject to Eglon, king of Moab for 18 years. Now, what I want you to remember is is a little bit of a chart. It's on your sermon outline. It's the purple paper in your pew, in your bulletin, but this is the chart on the screen. I made it a little bit bigger than last week, so hopefully everybody can read it. So we start, this is the, the, the trajectory of Israel in this time period which means a time before there was a king of Israel and so the trajectory is always that they they walked away from God that's apostasy that that means that that's someone who who once believed who once knew, who once um, understood what God was all about, and then they turn their back on God and they walk away from God. Now notice who's doing the action when apostasy happens. I've neglected to say this last week, and I want you to understand this. It's not God walking away from his people. It's his people walking away from him. And so there's a difference there, all right? This isn't God saying, hands off. And then there's usually oppression that happens in Israel's history. So in other words, they would, they would walk away from God in the, and, and many months after they walked away from God or sometimes days after they walked away from God, there was apostasy or oppression that would happen. They would begin to start to feel oppressed and, and beat up and all these things. And then it would move to groaning, all right? And we see this throughout the scriptures. You remember the, the illustration I gave last week was for the groaning was they're in the, they're in the wilderness. They're up against it. They're, they're being oppressed. They feel like they're being oppressed. And what do they say to God? They say to God, you know, here we are in the wilderness, and you give us manna? Like, where's the dominoes, dude? Like, where's the steak and eggs? You give us manna. So they started to gripe, and, and that's really what that is, is griping. They, they go through this, this, this time of just really upset with God and, and everything that he's about. And, and so then they get to a point where God's faithfulness shows once again. He shows them grace, and he delivers them. He delivers them. And so in Judges chapter 3, it's no different. The verses we just read, well, how did it start off? Again, again, Israel did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And again, for 18 years, they're under Eglon's power. Power. Now, what that scripture passage is talking about is that for 18 years, they basically give a tribute to Eglon and his people. And here's why they give that tribute to them. Because they don't want them to pick on Israel. Israel. And so for 18 years, they're, they're giving this guy this, this stipend, whatever it is. They, some believe it was food. Some believe it was money. Some believe it was whatever. They, they, they don't know exactly what the stipend was. But it was basically like the bully in, in the cafeteria, I don't know if you've experienced that. I have experienced that. I wasn't on the bullying side. I wasn't the bully. I was bullied. I know it's hard to believe at six foot three and some hundred pounds. But uh, um, I was. And so the bully comes into the cafeteria and says, give me your your lunch money or I'm going to beat the tar out of you. So you have a choice. You can go out and get the tar beat out of you. Or you can give them the money. And so Eglon is like a big... Church, a big, uh, not church bully, a big uh, cafeteria bully and he's saying, listen, you pay me off and I'll leave you alone. You don't pay me off and watch what happens. And so for 18 years, God's people God's people are paying a bully off to leave him alone. You know the God whose the battle belongs to? You know the God who says, I got your back? For 18 years, they decided that it was a smart idea to pay off the king that has, or not the king, the, 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 the ruler, instead of trusting in God. That's what that scripture passage means. Now, this brings us to our very first point in your sermon outline. It's sad that it took 18 years. 18 years. But boy, am I glad the Lord did not give up on them or us. Wow. Wow. So for 18 years, they've been fighting this battle. They've been been not even fighting. They've been passively just paying this guy off to leave him alone. Quit picking on him. Stop talking to us. Just let us live our lives peacefully. Instead of trusting their God. And so they go through that whole chart, and they get the griping. You know, we're really getting tired of paying this guy off. And so it comes around again that God, in his grace, gives them a deliverer. And here's where it is in verses 15 through 19. Again, the Israelites cried out to the Lord. Again, griping. Also, we'll talk about this in just a second. And he gave them a deliverer. Now, I do want to stop there for just one second. I want to say it now. And that is is that please understand that when this scripture is read, and, 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 and commentaries agree on this, and so I want to be clear on this. This isn't them repenting to God. Okay, this is, God, we've tried it our own way for 18 years. Can we give your, shot, your, try, your, your way a try? This isn't, oh, God, we're so sorry that we didn't trust in you in the midst of all this, and instead we paid a guy off for 18 years to leave us alone. No, this is, this is we've tried everything else. You know, it's like, it's like us, when we, when we try everything else and nothing else works, and then we go to God in prayer... Just like that. God, I, I've tried everything I can think of. I, I, am at, I am at my wits end with this situation. I don't know what else to do. I think I'll ask you now what to do. Israelites are no different. And so for 18 years, they've been asking this guy to leave him alone, paying him off, doing whatever they got to do. And now they come up against this and they come to him. And the scripture can lead you to believe that they are repentant. They are truthfully sorry about this. Don't believe it. They're sorry that their way didn't work and that now they have to go back to God. A little like we can be sometimes, right? I mean, come on, let's be honest. I'm sorry that my way didn't work, so now I gotta go back to God. Ehud, a left-handed man, it continues, the son of Jerah, the Benjamite, the Israelite, sent him with tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Moab. Now, Ehud had made a double-edged sword about a cubit long, which he strapped to his right thigh under his clothing. He presented the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab, who was a very fat man. After Ehud had presented the king the tribute, he sent on their way those who had carried it. But on reaching the stone images near Gilgal, he himself went back to Eglon and said, Your majesty, I have a secret message for you. And we're going to take a time out from this, and then we're going to continue on with the story. But I want to explain a few things. Ehud was a left-handed man. Now, the word used here is the same word usually used for a physical defect. In other words, his right hand was physically defective. Now, there is a possibility that there was this group of people that they taught in this day and age, how to use their left hand in battle because in this day and age if you were left handed in battle you were already one up on the guy that you were fighting. Because the chances of another guy coming left handed were slim to none. So we're not sure if it was really a handicap or or he just used his left hand so much that his right hand became his lesser hand or what is going on. But the point is, is that he is a left-handed man and this plays into the story. There's a lot of research out there, what's happening here. But what I want you to notice, when, when, what I want you to notice, I lost my spot here. There's a lot of research out there, what's happening here. But what I want you to notice, which hopefully you will, is what the world and the Hebrew language decided was a defect God powerfully uses in this story. So the world looks at it as a defect, but God uses it powerfully. And he can do it to us as well. To the reader here, it would appear that Ehud was just another man until you do a little study on his name, which has a root of this. Listen to this. This is Ehud's name. This is what it means in Hebrew. Can you imagine? (laughs) Where is the splendor, majesty, question mark? Again, Ehud's name means where is the splendor, majesty, majesty? mark. So some mom out there decided it was good to name her son in a way that it basically calls him a normal, everyday Joe. Nothing special. Where's the majesty? Where's the splendor? Ehud is about to take this tribute to Eglon and he makes a double-edged sword. Now it says it's about a cubit long, which would be from basically your elbow to the tops of your fingers. That's what a cubit long is. This is all going to play into it. He goes in and he presents the tribute and this is where we learn something that seems important to the author, that Eglon was a very Fat man. In fact, he was a large man. This is scripture speaking. Don't get mad at your pastor for using these words. In fact, the Hebrew word of Eglon is this. Get this 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 is amazing. All this stuff that I pulled out of this story is amazing. It means fattened calf. You're gonna see why that's important. It means fattened calf. It actually, if you take it to the nth degree, his name, Ehud, means, excuse me, Eglon, means land of the heifers. That's exactly what it means. This guy was not just big, he was big, big. And so after he presents this tribute, he brings this tribute, he has some guys that go with him on the road to to wherever the the king is and or the the little ruler is and and and, um and he, he he brings this tribute to him and he drops it off. And then he sends the other guys onto the way. Eglon, this is, this is Ehud again. Um, he, he enters and tells Eglon that he, he has a secret for him. Or he sends the other guys on the way. Let me, let me go back to the beginning here. So he sends the guys that went with him back to this other place. They're, halfway ba- they're all the way back, and he gets back about halfway, they say, according to Scripture. He gets about halfway back to where he's going, and he says to himself, You know, I was called to do something. I was called to deliver Israel from this beast. And so I need to go back and do it. So he turns around and he comes back into the king's palace. And he walks up to the king and he says, King, I got a secret for you. And so automatically, without the king hearing another word, he assumes that this secret cannot be shared with anyone else. And Eglon gets rid of his security detail. He says, go ahead, guys, go go away. This guy's got a secret for me. And then the king arose. And as he does, Ehud says to the king, listen, I I don't just got a secret for you. I'm going to make it even more juicy for you. I got a secret from God. Whoa. And so Eglon, being the big man that he is, he starts to move off of, his, off of, his, uh, of, of his, his chair. And he begins to stand up. And now this is where junior high boys tune in really good. Ladies, you may not like this story so much. But Ehud takes this dagger, which they're not expecting because they probably have seen him walk in. And what commentaries tell us is they've seen him walk in and they see that his right hand is handicapped. So they, they, they see that he can't possibly be a threat to the king. And so as he's standing to listen to this, this, uh, this, this, this story or this, this secret that Ehud has, Ehud grabs it with his left hand off his right hip, pulls it out, pulls the dagger out, and shoves the dagger into his belly. So much so that the Bible tells us, disgusting or not, it's the truth. It went out his back. And the fat covered over all of the blade because Ehud didn't pull the blade out. And this is where it gets really disgusting. His insides have fallen all over the palace. And he's dead. And so Ehud, remember the security detail is out there doing something, they're they're having drinks or, or eating or something. Ehud goes out of the palace and he locks the doors, shuts the doors, And he heads back to town. So the security detail sees E-Hud leave or gets a sense that the meeting is over and that the secrets have been told. And just want to make sure I get this right. The security detail comes up to him, comes up to the doors, and they try the doors and they're locked. And now remember, this is an important point, and I, I'm not going to focus on it all, night, all day this morning, but I want you to understand this. Now remember what has happened to Eglon. His insides are laying all over the place. And so the security details tries the doors. They smell this smell. And they assume that since they smell this smell, Eglon is having a moment on the other side throne if you catch my drift. And so they step back from the doors and they say, we got we to give him his room. We got we to gotta let him do his thing. And, and so we'll, we'll check later. And so they step back and they, they talk a little bit. And then, and then they finally said, listen, this is embarrassing. If this guy is still doing that, this is absolutely embarrassing. So they find a key to the door and they go and they unlock the door And they walk in and they find their master dead. And so God uses this left-handed man, this right-handed, deficient man, to do his work for the Israelite people. Kills him. He goes back to town, and, and, and we're not going to really go to this part of the story, but it's a, it's a good part of the story. He says it's time, it's time to take him on. Eglon has been defeated. It's time to take on his people because they don't have a leader. And he rallies all the Israelite troops, and they go, and they take over, and, and they, they live they live in a, in a, in a time when, for, I think it's for 40-some years, don't quote me on that, that they, they do what's right in the name of the Lord. And then they go through that whole apostasy thing again. But it's this weird story. In fact, every commentary I read, they kind of apologized for it. Like, we're sorry we have to be so graphic with you. This is, this is kind of awkward. <laughs> but we got to tell the story because it's in the Bible. But you see, there's some points that we can pull out of even this most awkward of stories. God used a right-handed, deficient man to defend Israel. He used a man who was not majestic in any way. He used a regular Joe with a handicap to do the job through the element of surprise. I mean, Eglin had no clue what was happening. One minute he's standing up and he doesn't even barely get up. They some So many believe because he's a larger man he had to take some time to get up. And the next minute he's laying dead. But you know God does that in our lives too. Not the killing part. But he uses people who are handicapped deficient to reach a world that desperately needs him. They have shortcomings like everybody else. And if you were described this morning in the Bible, in Judges chapter 3, you might not be a right-handed deficient man, but maybe you would be Defined as a, I don't know. Think of a character flaw that you have. And the Bible might use that as a character flaw, and the Hebrew language might bring it out, but in the grand scheme of things, God will use that. That's why I had Andy start this service or start this sermon with this scripture passage. Listen to it again, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 9. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. So the Apostle Paul has this thorn in the flesh. There is thousands of guesses of what that thorn in the flesh is. Some believe there's a heart issue. Some believe it's eyes. Some believe it's not even anything like that. It's a character flaw. Whatever it is, it's enough to bother him in ministry. And he asks the Lord three times. He doesn't just ask. I mean, this man is at the altar rail pleading with God. Take it away. It'd be like Ehud saying, coming to this faith church and praying, don't don't just let me be a left handed man. I want to be strong in my right hand as well. And so the Apostle Paul prays this over and over again. Three times he pleads with the Lord to take it away. But then it says in verse 9, those those very powerful words. And in fact, if you have a red letter Bible, it should be in red letters because it is Jesus' words. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power, my power has nothing to do with weakness in your life. My power isn't isn't affected by weakness. It isn't affected by strength. My power is one that works in your life. No matter what. And in fact, my power is actually perfect when your weakness is out in front. And then the Apostle Paul shifts and here's what he says in that last half of verse 9. Therefore, because God has answered me this way, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest in me. And so what the Apostle Paul is saying is, is, listen folks, I'm not going to boast in my powers. I'm going to actually boast in my weaknesses. Some who sit here this morning, and I only know this because some who stand here this morning have the same things, have believed for way too long, I cannot and will not be used of God because of this weakness. Maybe you're in that boat. The reason Ehud is put in the book of Judges, I believe, is is so that everyone who has a weakness, and that's pretty much all of us, understands that your weakness can be used by God. No one is being beyond being used. It really comes down to a matter of perspective. Here's some application for you. They'll be on the screen. There will also be some sermon outline fill-ins for you that are filling them in. Focus on your calling rather than your inability. Look, we see this in Ehud's, in Ehud's world. He was called to be a deliverer, and he could have focused on his inability. This isn't going to work, God. Can you imagine the plan going through Ehud's world? I mean, sometimes we, we in 2022, are, are getting, we, we get this mixed up. What we think is, is that Ehud knew the end of the story. Ehud could read the end of chapter 3 of Judges, and he understood that this was all going to work out. No, he didn't. Can you imagine God telling him this plan? Here's what you're going to do. You're going to go in. You're going to tell the king you gotta, you got a you secret. He's going to stand up. You're going to take that thing from your left hand. You're going to thrust it into his belly. He's going to die. You're going to leave. You're never going to get caught. All this stuff is going to happen. And if I'm Ehud, and I'm sure Ehud, I'm pretty sure Ehud had some of these thoughts. Yeah, I'm not sure about this plan. But you see, you need to focus on your calling. What's my calling? My calling is is whatever spiritual gifts God has given me. Rather than wishing you had those spiritual gifts, or that spiritual gift, or this spiritual gift. And let God use your weaknesses. Number two is focus on Christ's perspective, one that will use you in spite of you, rather than your perspective That, that's a hard one for me. Christ's perspective says, hey, listen, I take the weaknesses and the powers and the strengths and I use them all on the table and this is what I'm going to do through you and watch what I will do through you when you yield to me. My perspective is, well, I'm just weak in that area so I can't do that area. Or selling myself short. This is not asking for arrogance, folks. Folks. And if there is arrogance, it's boasting on Christ, not boasting on myself. See, that's the difference. In 1 Corinthians one or 26-31, Paul puts it this way as well. Brothers and sisters think of what you were when you were there when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were even noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that one that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before Him. It is because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus, who His has became has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, our holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. The Apostle Paul says to Ehud, it's wonderful that your name was, where's the majesty? Because you see, Ehud, God doesn't use the majesty. God doesn't use the smart beyond all smart. No, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1 to a broken church, he says, listen, you all are striving to be strong and be be the most wisdom-filled and be all this, and those are all glad and great things. However, the bottom line is God doesn't use the most noble person God uses the broken things of this world to bring hope. God uses the unwise to bring wisdom. Here's the application for this part of this sermon. Nothing needs to change. We have everything we need. You know, I hear that from time to time. Lord. You know, Pastor, if I, could, if I could just grow a little bit in my faith, I could do this at the church. I'm going to say this as nicely as I possibly can. He wants you now. He wants you now. There's not something to be obtained here, folks. He'll use you right where you are. He'll use you with your doubts. He'll use you with your lack of wisdom. He'll use you right where you are. The weaker we are, the more the world sees God's power. And then last, the more inabilities and disabilities I have in me, the more the world realizes the ability of God through me. And the same goes for you. From time to time, we have visitors come, and uh, that's not... Visitors from my hometown come to see us. Some of them are my school teachers. God bless them. And it never fails when we go out to eat afterwards because we always have to go out to eat afterwards. They'll look at me and they'll say, Brett, I would have never thought in fifth grade I would have just heard what I heard at Faith Church. We heard the same about Austin yesterday. He went from a kid who had temper tantrums to a young man who has temper, no, I'm just kidding, to a young man who has changed his life. Why, was it because books got a hold of us? No. because Jesus got a hold of us. See, for too long, we've tried to obtain something as a church. If I could just get to this point, then I will be used. Out there, I'm just going to put it to you frankly, They don't really care what point you're to. What they care about is that you care. And some of you have the opportunity to go out to the world, into the streets, and reach people that I would never have the opportunity to reach. Why? Because you're at a different place in your life. And in some ways, I have opportunities to reach people because I can speak into situations that you all have never spoken into or seen. And so do I want you to remember the guts of a, of a leader all over his, his, uh, his floor? No. What I want you to remember today is Ehud, the Apostle Paul. David, who had an eye for women that weren't his wife. all be used by God. Why? Because they were perfect? No, he had an eye for women that wasn't his wife. The apostle Paul was not perfect because he had this this weakness that he pleaded with God to take away. Pastor Brett is not perfect. There was no pastor that is. But will you let God use your imperfections to reach people? Will you let God use your imperfections, if you would, your right-handed deficiencies to reach a world? That's what the Apostle Paul is saying to us. I've been here for eight years. I've heard it all. I've heard some of these comments from time to time. I'm not ready. I'm not there. I'm just not there. I'm not there. Listen to me. Ehud was ready. Ehud wasn't completely ready, excuse me. The Apostle Paul never felt like he was ready. David never felt like he got it. All of these people are in the same boat as you. I want you to walk out of here encouraged because you can be a part of Faith Church right now. I'm not talking about membership. I'm not talking about any of those other things. I'm talking about taking the gospel of Jesus Christ and changing our world through our weaknesses. And sometimes that is just admitting, I don't know. You know, I've had a lot of opportunity over the past couple of weeks because of some things that I chose to do to get out of the box, to talk to a lot of community members. And there are times when they will ask me a question as your pastor. They'll say, you know, in one way it says this, and in another way the Bible says this. And, and, you know, there is this this yearning for figuring this out. But guess what? (laughs) Our human brains will never figure this out. And do you want to know what the most encouraging word that I have shared with some people, folks, are? I don't know. And here's what the world has taught us, that if we say we don't know, somehow we are weaker. And yet the community members have said, finally, a Christian who's honest, You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to know the right words. What you have to be is willing to be used of him. And that's what Ehud was. In John chapter 9, we see this story, and this was my, my final thought here. We see this story of a man who's healed. He can see. And all these people come up to him and they say, "Who healed you? What what happened? All these things." And he, you know what his answer is? It, it it constantly shocks me, and I and I think about this almost monthly. He says, "I don't know. I don't know about that Jesus who healed me. I don't know anything about him. But here's what I do know. Here's what I know. I know that 20 minutes ago I was blind." And now I can see you. Sometimes the answer the world needs is, I know that I was heading for hell. And I was making all the wrong decisions. And now only sometimes do I make the wrong decisions. But when I do, I'm forgiven. And so in essence, what you're saying to the world is this. I know I was blind, but now I see. We can answer all this other stuff. When is he coming back? What's going on? Why is the world turning like it is? All this other stuff later. But we got to get back to the basics. I was hurt. I was black with sin. And now I'm pure. And so you want to talk about all that other stuff, we can talk about that later. But let me tell you, friend, I was blind and now I see. And every one of you, every one of you within the sound of my voice and even online are equipped to say that if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, period. You don't need to go to seminary. You don't even need to attend a Bible study, although we would love you to. You already have the answer. And the only thing stopping you is your willingness to bend your knee to Jesus. And say, use me. Like Ehud, the Apostle Paul, and David, and the other champions of the faith. Do it today. Go out of here bending your knee, saying, use me. Use me in my weakness. Use me right here, right now, and watch what God will do. Let's close in a word of prayer together. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to hear this story of Ehud and Eglon and the Israelites Oh, Lord, how we so many times act like the Israelites. On one minute, we're thankful for your faithfulness. And the next minute, we're wondering where you are and what you're doing. Help us, Lord. Help us to be used of you. Help us that in our weakness, you would become strong. Help us to walk out of here today, Lord, being used of you. Not having all the answers. Not even knowing all the questions. But simply pointing people to you. For Lord, it's in your name we pray this all. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it encouraged you in your walk with Christ. You can find out more about Faith Church at wearefaithec.com.